Let's turn to chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 12. Now, we'll um, be using the um, outline that Elise typed up maybe next week, not this week. So I've got a... You can sort of look at the big picture there, but will be we would have been in Satan's counterfeits, but that comes in verse fourteen as we look forward to that. I've got I've given her the wrong portion. So we're in verse twelve. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Pretty natural build on verse 11, isn't it? To see verse 12. And so we have a blessing of looking at these thoughts and our, our part in them, our participation in the obedience of the faith in fulfilling these words. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the things you've given us for living the Christian life in faith and practice Practical things, Lord, pointed out in your word here tonight. And, Lord, we all participate in this verse in some way. And, Lord, I pray that we might be, and if we're not, that we might be challenged tonight to say, I need to get involved. I've been saved to serve. Lord, you've set us apart to use for your glory, and may that be so with every one of our lives and all people that come to church. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so as, as if you do have that outline there we've been looking at the nature of the gifts and we've seen those gifted to deal with situations apostles and prophets sinners evangelists and those dealing with saints pastors teachers and um, <clears throat> these are the people that are involved in the ministry this is the way church growth happens Using this correctly, you know, you hear of the church growth movement. Well, we're not in a movement. <laughs> we're in a ministry that people are committing themselves to the Lord's work, dedicating, sanctifying themselves for that purpose. So we've seen the people involved in training the folks to do the work of the ministry. That's verse 11. The five different groups, teachers, pastors, evangelists, they're, they're given. Now we see the procedure in verse 12. The procedure is to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. It's a very important verse, these ones here, these verses. Um, <clears throat> perfecting the saints. There's a Greek word that only occurs here in this, in this verse in the New Testament. But its verb form is used many times throughout the New Testament. It comes up as different words in the New Testament. For instance, in Matthew 4, verse 21, it talks about them mending their nets. Mending their nets. What does that have to do with perfection? Can we tie that in a little bit? When we get saved, we need our nets mended. <laughs> we need our, our the philosophy, our, our worldview, we, we call it, Corrected, because unsaved people don't have the correct worldview, and we need to mend some nets, patch some holes, because we're not got it right. And that's what happens when pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, or whatever do their work. They're mending people. 
mending nets for the work of the ministry. So that word fits in here. Uh, Matthew 21, 16, Jesus responded to the chief priest and said, Have ye never read, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise? That's another word that's the same as the verb form of what we're looking at tonight. Perfected praise. That's what God wants in our lives. Perfected praise. And pastors, teachers and that do that. Before we were saved, we praise different things than we praise once we get saved. <laughs> I, I hope we do. You know, <clears throat> we certainly ought to be praising God and thanking him for what he's done for us. Whereas when we're unsaved, we weren't. And so perfecting praise. In Hebrews 10 verse 5, it reads, A body thou hast prepared me. That's the verb form there of perfected, prepared me. And <laughs> the Lord God prepared the Son, the perfect body, the incarnation of the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so that is the, word, the verb form of it there. So the collective thought is something that is made fully ready, something made fully ready, something perfected, equipped someone, uh, fully preparing something. And this is what it has to do with us Christians. Leadership in the church, those that teach and minister the word, are there for that reason. And uh, as we, we often say, you know, well, the pastor's paid to do it. We often hear said, maybe we don't say. The pastor's paid to do it. He can do it all. No, that's not what these verses say. <laughs> it's your perfection in the church for the work of the ministry. You're equipping. You're being made fully ready and prepared to do something. So in the context of Ephesians here, it means the proper use of our gifts in the context here is to bring the body of Christ to its full potential as the saints are perfected within it. Let's look at a couple of verses. Colossians, just over, chapter 1 and verse 28. <clears throat> Colossians 1.28, we read, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you, but to you of salvation. I ain't got the right verse. Oh, I'm in the Philippians, that's why. That'd <laughs> be better. Um, yes, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man... Perfect in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. So this is what happens with the teaching and the preaching and the warning, is that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. You see, God uses holy vessels. God uses clean vessels. God uses sanctified vessels. And so as the preaching of the word goes forth, that has its cleansing effect in our life to make us useful for the ministry that we've been equipped by gifts to perform. Chapter 4 of Colossians, I should get it this time, verse 12. In the right book, Epaphras was one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always labouring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Knowing what the will of the Lord is, as Ephesians says here, he is praying for them that they might be complete and perfect in the will of God. Doing that which you know is your 
lot in life and fulfilling it perfectly. Well, it's a great thought, isn't it? Perfectly knowing the perfect will of God, walking in that perfect will. Second Timothy, just over, and verses, or chapter three, and verse sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Perfect. This is what this is the verb here. Perfectly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There's a purpose for your perfection. It's that you might do the good works. You might be in there participating. Hebrews thirteen twenty one speaks much the same as well. And so <clears throat> Perfecting the saints. This is the procedure involved. Number one, perfecting the saints. Secondly, in that verse, back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, for the work of the ministry. So perfecting the saints to prepare for service. Work of the ministry. Back in Ephesians 2.10, it reads, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them in good works. So... This, the ministry, the leadership, preaching the word, perfecting the saints through the preaching, preparing them for service. And we have been ordained that we should walk in good works. And just in case you don't believe that, let's, let's go to the book of works, James, the, the book that tells us we ought to be doing these things. James chapter 2, verse 14. <clears throat> James said, What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? It's a bit like the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians about love. You know, you can know everything, you can look the part, but if you haven't got it, where is the Christian, your Christianity? Is it real? And so James says if you haven't got the works that goes with your profession, then are you really saved? Can, faith, can that sort of faith save him? <laughs> If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not the things that are needful to the body, what is it profit? It's a profitless uh, profession. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being alone. Yea, man may say, Thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so... There it is, works. These are the things that we've been equipped for. These are the things that God has saved us for, put us in the ministry. So <clears throat> perfection, perfecting the saints, preparing us for service. God saves souls, not to sit around and soak up spiritual sunshine, not to sunbake on the spiritual beach, as it were, but to serve. And it's told to us, we won't turn there, but in the parables of the Gospels, it tells us very clearly so. Matthew 25, 14 to 30, about the talents. In Luke chapter 13, verse 7 and 9, there the Lord was talking about the, um, the fig tree, wasn't it? He said, cut it down, it beareth no fruit. It's not serving, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Why cumbereth at the ground? <laughs> Does God look at us and say, yeah, cut them down. Now, he's not, no. You're not going to lose your salvation, but are we profitable for the ministry? Remember John Mark, who Paul sent, well, no, he, sent, he, he took off from the ministry. 
but later later on he repented got right and and the lord said i mean paul said he's now profitable for the ministry put him back in he's he's willing to serve in other words he's he's willing to count the cost of discipleship and go forward and uh praise god that at the end record he's working and serving the lord matthew 25 26 and 30 thou wicked and slothful servant the lord said slothful servant in matthew 20 verse 6 why stand ye here idle all day there's these little phrases that come up in the new testament that tell us we are, we have been prepared for service and the third point in this verse james i mean ephesians 4 12 for the perfecting of the saints this is what the the, the teachers and preachers are there for for the work of the ministry the, the work of the ministry the work within the local church and 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 that which it affects and for what's the third process that happens here for the edification for the edifying of the body of christ and so i've named this one to promote sanctity for edification for building up so perfecting the saints preparing for service and to promote sanctity um, for the edification of the saints Let's go to 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Paul was speaking to them in chapter 12 and following about speaking in tongues, which had gone to excesses. Chapter 14 is coming to the conclusion of that discussion, started in chapter 12. And he said, if there's anything that's to be done in the church, and notice the word that keeps coming up, Maybe colour it in a certain colour when you get home, unless you brought your colouring pencils with you. The children might have a few over there. <laughs> John bought some, did he? You brought that, man. John 14 and verse 1. Well, verse 3, we'll start out. Just go at the, the ones we've, that use this word. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to what? There's the word edification and exhortation and comfort if the word's going to go forth it needs to be for a purpose and the purpose in the church is for edification Um, can negative things be for our edification yeah they can preaching about hell can be for our edification if i'm unsaved the edification i could get from that is don't go there how do i get away from that but there's a lot of things that are, you know, put off, that's a negative. But put on, and so there's edification of the word. Um, <clears throat> the next verse, we go to verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. You know, there's charismatic people get hung up on that. I'm edifying myself. That's how they get off the hook when you sort of nail them. Well, what's it for? <laughs> but he that prophesieth, what does he do? Edifieth, he that preaches, he that proclaimeth, edifieth the church. Builds the church up. In verse 12 of the same chapter, Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. If you're going to look for a spiritual gift, if you want to help, if you want to minister, look for a a way in which you can edify. How are some ways in this church you can edify somebody else? If you're not the preacher. Okay, encourage them. 
how are some practical ways in what was that Kate? Yep, the, mission, the missionaries, <laughs> to keep the board up <laughs> and edifying people to pray for them and encourage them in that. How are some other practical ways? And I put this in shoe leather. Visit, visit people. Mm -hmm. I just wrote a list of people down in our church that are near 70 or at 70. And there's a long list and they've got needs. We can pray for them. And if possible, if there are some you can and some you couldn't visit. But the visit, and the list is, is about that long and growing. <laughs> There's another couple moving into town from Sydney. We, we're having it. Remember how we used to have an exodus out of our church of young people to the universities in big cities? We've got universities here now. They don't have to go if they don't want to. <laughs> they choose the right studies. But what I'm seeing now and I was talking to them, my doctor about it this week. I see an exodus from the big cities back here of elderly people. They can sell their property there for one million plus, and they've got they've got no cash in the bank. They can come down to Albury and buy a four hundred thousand dollar house and still have so much left over. <laughs> Whatever the difference, and they've got something to retire on, and that's what's happening. But the, in, in that, there's a need that's going to be developing within the church of those that need to be visited. What are other ways, practical ways, to edify people? Come on, most of you are involved with it on Friday night. <laughs> Sorry? You're helping in the ministries and the little ones. You could edify the little ones by sitting one-on-one -on -one and helping them to learn a Bible verse that one day might change their life from going to hell to heaven. That's edification, isn't it? That's building them up. In youth group, with preaching and teaching the word of God to these teenagers that are scrappling and struggling with issues that we, as when we were teenagers, didn't have to face, but we can encourage and edify them and build them up with the stories that are told at the youth ministries, and there's at least three on every Friday night. So you see... The edification and building up, the helping and encouraging. Now, if we can't get there, how is another way that we might be able to edify without people knowing? Did we already mention that? Did you say praying for missionaries? Okay, no, but praying. <laughs> I mean, we can pray, pray for people, pray for the elderly, pray for the little ones, pray for their salvation. And uh, that's, a, that's a great ministry. <laughs> and it's a very necessary ministry to have the Lord's presence with us and power among us um, <clears throat> verse 17 we're back in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 17 for thou verily givest thanks well but the other is not edified edified in other words if you're saying it in a strange tongue and nobody can understand button up <laughs> it's of no value <laughs> and uh, won't they think you're mad he said in, this, in the context here. And so you've got all these verses. Verse 26 of the same chapter, it reads, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, hath a revelation, wow, <laughs> hath an interpretation? Let all things be done to what? Edification. And you can go through 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians and find and mark that word edify or it's 
it's connected words. There's words like understanding too that are used in here, really, that, that goes along with it. And so <clears throat> this is for the edification. These people are given to perfect the saints, to prepare for service, to edify, build up, encourage one another from little guys, little girls, <laughs> all the way to grandmas and grandpas. And the, and the church functioning like that, if there's, a, if there's a number of people in the church, then that can happen. Where were we reading? I don't know if it's in our Monday night classes, but in a town where it was a Gentile town, when the Jews of that town reached a number of ten heads of a family, that means there was ten, ten breadwinners, then what did they do? They started, yeah, we call them churches today, they started synagogues. And that was a financial, that was a, where that they could interact with one another, where they could meet with one another. And um, usually 12 is a good, uh, is a number where you have the input of 12 different people. You've got it from all angles. You've got, you got your bases covered. And so that happens within a church when there's that many people. There's that interaction, that's that help, that everyone's different in their abilities and talents and gifts, that they can encourage and edify and build up one another. Just look at Romans chapter 14 and verse... 19. <clears throat> Romans 14, verse 19. There we read, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and the things with which one may edify another. Now, there are some things you know that another person within this church would get upset if you did or you said. Would it be right to do or say them? just to get at that person. No, it's not edifying. It's not edifying. Do things that make for peace and by which one can edify the other person. Chapter 15 and verse 2 of, of Romans. Let every one of you please his neighbour, every one of us, please his neighbour for, for his, his neighbour's good to edification. Build it up, build them up. And if we do that, we know it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. When we go away edified, built up. Now, yeah, you know, when the fellas get together, they have a bit of, um, what do we call it? Goading each other or something? Ribbon each other. That's another word, yeah. Particularly two men back there. <laughs> yeah, there you go, them two. <laughs> But they know it's friendly, <laughs> and uh, I, I hope I hope there's never anything comes between you, you two guys. Because if you say it, then when there's something comes between you, I'm you mean that, you know, and it's not edifying. But yeah, we've got to be real and true to the word of God. What is edifying to the other person? Um, it's, this is throughout the scriptures. Ephesians, back where we were. Chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? Edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so there's the thoughts for tonight. <clears throat> the procedure involved is perfecting the saints, preparing them for service there, <coughs> and promoting 
sanctity or edifying and building up one another. Are we doing that? Are we accomplishing that? And let's not be like the chooks that pick on each other. They say the white leghorns, so get a black chook is better. <laughs> but they see a spot on their fellow chicken and all of them will pick on that one until they kill it. And that's why, as I've said before, they often grind the beaks off. I wonder if the Lord has to grind our beak off because we pick on the spots of another Christian. <laughs> not edifying, it's not building up. Anyway, <laughs> use, use what we have got for his glory as far as our abilities and talents are concerned. 